So good to be back at OBM. Uh, greetings from Cuba, the island of the Caribbean, where Jesus is the king. Uh, some dictators think they are the king, but Jesus is the king of kings. And the devil and all the hosts of hell try to stop the church, but we are believing that the church is unstoppable. Just because the Holy Spirit is with the church, the church is unstoppable. Are you part of an unstoppable church too here in America? Come on, give it up for the Lord. Can you do that? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. You know it's okay to praise God in the house of God. You know that? I mean, if you get more excited at an NBA game or NFL game than the church, you've got issues with the flesh. Because when you come to church, you got to be excited because Jesus gave you the total victory. And it's better than any other thing in the world. Glory. Yeah, you know why I'm like that? Because in my country, either you praise him or not. Because either you're Christian or not. Because either you suffer persecution or you just go out there pretending. But I'm really, really happy to be back at OBM. I really appreciate Pastor Dosek uh, opening this opportunity for me to come and speak. I sent an email to my wife this uh, morning. I said, wow, I'm impressed that uh, Pastor Dosek trusts me uh, with his pulpit when he's not there. I'm a pastor, and I know how it works. So I really, I don't take that for granted, and I appreciate that. I appreciate your hospitality. I appreciate also the Lively family that they always have me in their house as a son. And I've been eating rice and beans there, which is what we Cubans love. So everything is okay. Are you okay tonight? Listen, folks, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that God is always with his people. And you know that too. In this trip, I want to speak for a couple of minutes about something. I've never done this before in any other trip. But this time God spoke to me about a couple from Cuba. Uh, there is a couple from Cuba. His name is uh, Dainer and uh, his wife's name is Anna. They are very young. But they are giving their youth to the Lord, hitchhiking uh, days after days, going to all over the island of Cuba, singing and praising God. They have a worship ministry and they hitchhike the whole time because in Cuba, people don't own cars. It's hard to have a car there. And so they do that, preaching the gospel everywhere. And with their own efforts, they recorded a, a, a CD. So this time, I brought with me some CDs from this duet. They sing amazingly. It's in Spanish. I know God will have to give you the interpretation of tongues to, other, in, uh, to understand that. But maybe you can use it to witness to a Hispanic Maybe you have friends in the neighborhood or in your job that speak Spanish. And you want to tell them, here, this is from Cuba. It's a Cuban couple. So in, back there, when we finish the service, in the table back there, there will be those CDs available for those of you who want to help this ministry. All the money will go to them. Uh, actually, I brought 100 CDs. And in, in, in two weeks, I was able to sell 50 of them. So I only have 50 left. Uh, so you guys are welcome to... Get it there. It's only $10. Normally what you and your wife are spending at Starbucks sometimes. So you go there and then you bless this couple from Cuba. Okay? So let's go to the Word of God. Uh, I'm, I'm excited always about preaching the Word of God to the precious people of God. And let me, let me say this 
very clear, and this is a very clear statement. And it's for me as a servant of the Lord, and I know for you also as a son of God and also a servant of the Lord, I am a believer that the church that we belong to, the church of Christ, it is the greatest entity on planet earth. I mean, there might be many religions, but no religion was founded by the death and the resurrection of the Son of God. The church has the power to bring heaven to earth. And the church has the power to expand God's kingdom in areas where the kingdom of God has to be established. The Catholics, they have, they have the Vatican. They love to go there, see the buildings, maybe see the Pope from the balcony. That's their place. When you ask a Jehovah Witness, they say, oh, we have the watchtower in New York. If you talk to a Muslim, their dream is go to uh, the Mecca and, and, and celebrate the Ramadan over there. You know what? I'm, I'm really, really excited to tell you this tonight. The church don't have a place. You know, you know where the church is founded? It's founded in an empty grave. Because the founder of the church is not, is not in a place like in there. He is racing. He is alive. The, the grave is empty. And that is where our foundation is established. Have you ever... Have you ever uh, done this? Maybe I'm the only one, but I'm pretty sure you too. <laughs> Have you ever uh, subscribed yourself to any kind of website? And then they start sending you a bunch of emails, and you get tired of it, and you want to unsubscribe. And then you have no clue to how unsubscribe, and they make it really hard. And the thing is, because you got excited for a moment of what they offered, but you didn't know the whole picture. And then when you want to unsubscribe, you really struggle. Let me put it like this. In Cuba, uh, there's only one party. There is only one government. Let's put it like that. No, there's no opposition. Like nobody can run as a candidate as president. And, and it's the Communist Party. And the Communist Party, what they do in order to recruit members to the system of beliefs that they have is... They have something called the Young Communist League. And what they do is that when you are 17, 18 years old and you are studying, they come with an application form. And they want you to fill it out and become a communist member. And if you say, I am not sure, I don't want to be part of they're going to tell you, okay, if you don't sign this, then maybe you won't be able to go to the next level of education. So most of the young people, without knowing, they sign in for something. They don't have a clue what it is. But then when they turn 30 years old, there comes another offer. And now is to be part of the Communist Party itself. Not just the Young Communist League, but now the Communist Party. And that's when you do some research, you find like over a million members being communist. That's a lie. People don't know what they're signing for. That's one of the things that I teach in my church. And I'm not afraid to teach this, by the way. But I teach in my church always, do not sign for something if you don't know what you're signing for. Let me bring it down to church now. Do not be in church. Do not pretend to be a Christian if you don't know what Christianity is. 
So, so here's, here's another one. Uh, uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes men are a little bit impatient. We, sometimes we buy something and we want to make it work without reading the instructions and the manual. Anybody? And then we, uh, sometimes we end up breaking what we bought. <laughs> oh, we got, no, I got this figured out. Well, they have a new thing that you didn't know and you broke it. Let me, let me tell you this. Jesus started the church the way he wanted it. And now he wants it the way he started it. If we are part of the church, we have to know what Jesus said about the church. There's no excuse for you to be in church and not knowing how this works. Because Jesus himself taught and talked about the church that he was going to found with his own death and resurrection. When Jesus talked about the church he was going to found, he said many important things. And I want to point out one of those things that has been a blessing for me coming from the persecuted church of Cuba. And the statement that I'm going to read, you can find it in the book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 when Jesus said these words. He said, you are the light of the world. He's talking to the disciples, but he's also talking to the church. You are the light of the world. And then here is my key statement for tonight. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. I want to preach for you for a few minutes under the theme, the impossibility of the church. There's one, there's one thing that the church cannot do if we are truly the church. We cannot hide. Jesus said, we are a city set on a hill that it cannot hide. Let me just uh, give you a little bit of information uh, of the context. This, this, uh, this scripture is in Matthew 7. All, you all know that in Matthew 5, Jesus gives this beautiful sermon. And the sermon deals with blessed are those who are uh, peacemakers. Blessed are those who are like this. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty of righteousness. And then he brings his, his method of preaching from a personal level to the disciples. And now he brings it to a corporate level. Now he's bringing that message to what's going to be the church. And he makes a statement First of all, to the listeners of that time, to the believers that were listening to, to him, but also to the church. When he says, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus said, there is one thing that the church cannot do, and it's to hide. Because it's a city that is set on a hill. We want to extract, we want to take all the revelation that Jesus uh, and the Holy Spirit brings to us in this particular text. When Jesus says we are a city, we have to pay attention and, and close attention to that. Because this, this, this text itself talks about how a city set on a hill has the capacity, the ability, and the position to be able to foresee what's coming against her. You know, when, when Jesus was saying this, you got to remember he was first talking to the Jews. 
And they were people who really loved the holy city, Jerusalem. And the city of Jerusalem, if you just Google it, if you make some research, you'll find that the city of Jerusalem was built on a hill. Remember that text that it says that as Jerusalem has mountains around, so the Lord is around his people. And it's, that's why it's called the Mount of Zion. So that city, when you look at Jerusalem, it was interesting that in the days of Jesus, there was no way to attack the city of Jerusalem unless you would walk at plain sight on the valley of Armageddon. Because the access through the mountains will be really difficult. So when Jesus is telling the church, you are a city set on a hill, it's also letting us know that the Holy Spirit has given us the capacity to see and foresee when the enemy is trying to attack the church. If you ever see a church under attack, it should not be a surprise for them. And that's why the Apostle Peter one time said, guys, do not be surprised by the attacks that are coming against you. It's almost like that's normal. But a city set on a hill not only have the ability to foresee, but also have the power of foundation. In order to build a city on a hill, you have to have a good foundation. So what's our foundation? The name of Jesus. We have a good foundation. Our house will never be destroyed because of the right foundation. That's when whenever we see in Cuba the government attacking the church, we say, they have tried that before. Other, other people have tried that before. Other rulers of this world have tried that before. Guess what? All of them had died and the church is still standing because of the foundation. Because it's a city set on a hill with the right and the strongest foundation. But not only the foundation, also the church has the power of protection. God is protecting his people. Now the city of Jerusalem had two types of protection. One was the natural God-made protection, which were the mountains around her. But there was another type of protection and was the walls... That the people themselves had to build. Does that teach you something here today? I believe that angels from heaven are protecting the church. I believe that the blood of Jesus has the power to protect the church. I believe that the word of God is powerful enough to protect the church. I believe that God himself is protecting the church. But the church also have a responsibility to build the right walls. Walls of prayer. Walls of unity. Walls of praise. Walls of, of faith. See, there's, there's nothing wrong with trusting that God is protecting its city or his city. But it's also very important for the church to understand that we need to take our part in protecting the city. The church also has the power to see how God visits his city. So it's impossible for the church to hide. Now, when Jesus said these words and he said that the church cannot hide, guess what? The enemy will always try to find ways to hide the church. 
And that's why we have what we call nowadays religion. It's, it's a type of hiding the church of Christ. So there, there, there are three things that I want to point out that are very uh, real that try to hide the church from the place that God has established as the church. The first one is, of course, the demonic forces. Satan, all the demons, they are always working, trying to see how they can make the church feel comfortable so that way the church can hide. And I know you guys know about this because I know this is a church that believes that we live in a spiritual warfare. But can you believe that nowadays there are people who call themselves Christians and they say the demons really are not that real? When, I mean, with Christians like that, yeah, we don't need no demons. <laughs> we do have a spiritual warfare against demons. I could tell you many stories how in Cuba where the government promotes witchcraft as the national religion, the church has encounters against principalities, against demons that try to hide the church. But that brings me to the second element that is being used to try to hide the church. And you know what that is? Systems that are led and guided by wicked men that sometimes dictate laws against the Bible and the faith. Those things exist. And they're all part of a system to make the church uh, hidden. To cause the church to hide. In Cuba, we've seen pastors thrown in jail because of the gospel. Some of our churches, when we build our home churches and they say we did something illegal, they can come and knock it down. It is so interesting because the threadings is something that we leave every day. The other day, the community leaders in my city, they gathered together because our church is doing the work of God, not inside the four walls, but out there. Because I believe that we are a city set on a hill, so we're doing the work out there. And they don't like that because they want to give the impression that they are the only ones who care for the people and not the church. But we want to let the world know that we do care for the world. And they gather in their office and they said, what we need to do with that pastor is to cancel his visa so he don't get to travel to those, those nations like he's doing. Because when he travels to those nations, he's brainwashed. I said, okay, if you gave me the visa, you have the right to come and take it. But since it was not you, first of all, it was God, and second, the American government. I'm thankful for God and the American government that gave me the visa to travel, so you have no power to take it from me. Just a few days ago, folks, there's this young kid in my church. His name is Xuan. He um, works at the uh, Communist Party building in town programming computers and all that. And he sent me an email a few days ago and said, Pastor, a guy from my work came to me and told me, you should leave that church. You should go to another church. And I asked him, why? He said, well, because your pastor, this is the word the communist guy used. I don't know where he got those from, but he used these words. He said, because your pastor loves and adores Donald Trump. So the member of my church said, 
you'll have to ask him about that. He said, oh, yeah, we're going to call him. I said, X1, that's what they do to intimidate me. This is what the Bible says. I have to pray for people in authority. I pray for Trump. I pray for Castro. I pray for anybody who is in authority. That's it. But my second answer is, if God is with me, who shall be against me? They will try to do whatever they can to make the church hide. Now, hear me well now. There's a third element that is the most dangerous one. That is the one that, in many cases, it's sad to say it, works hiding the church of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you which one is that. The third element is many, many times it has worked. And it's the mentality of the citizens of the city. It doesn't matter how protected the city is. It doesn't matter how, how nice the city is. If the people who live in the city and are part of the city do not have the right mentality, the city is vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. Because demons will run and flee when we mention the name of Jesus. Governments cannot stop the church. But the church, with the wrong mentality, can definitely hide. So it's very important that we do have the right mentality to be the city set on a hill that Jesus talked about. And in order to have the right mentality, there's some truths that we need to know as part, as part of, this, uh, of this city. First of all, we need to understand that we don't have to be concerned and fear because the level of protection will always be consistent with the level of attack that the enemy will bring against the church. What I'm saying is this. Let me, let me give you a little illustration here. And I know it's going to sound a little bit weird. I know that. But it was a personal experience. Don't take it uh, as it is personal for you. It was my personal experience with the Lord. I was going through a great time in God. I was, I was rocking really for the Lord. God was using me. Uh, in an amazing way. I was seeing God blessing me. And all of a sudden, something came up that was trying to destroy me, my family, and my ministry. And I said, God, why now? Now that I'm feeling so well, can you relate? Now that I'm feeling awesome, I have this attack. And God showed me something. He told me the level of, the level of, of maturity in your Christian walk will also bring different types of attacks. In other words, when you are walking with the Lord in a good way, the attacks will be stronger against you. And this is what came to my spirit. Satan will never use a bullet when he knows he needs a missile. But he will never use a missile when he knows that he can knock you down with a bullet. But the reality is that it doesn't matter if it is a bullet or a missile. God has the power to build up an anti-missile shield around you. And God has the power to help you so those bullets don't hit the target. 
Because the level of protection for the city of God and the citizens of, of the city of God will always be consistent with the level of attack. Think about the people of Israel when they were in the desert. When they were walking during the daylight, God will just bring a pillar of cloud. Why? To protect them from the heat of the sun and also it would help as a cover so the enemies would not see them. But then at nighttime, God would change the level of protection. And now he would no longer use a cloud, but he will use a pillar of fire. Number one, to protect his people from the low temperatures in the desert at night and warm them up. And second, to scare the animals that were hunting during the night. God will always protect you. God will always protect you as a citizen of the city set on a hill depending on the level of attack that the enemy brings. So do not fear. Do not fear. I've been a pastor for almost 20 years. So I know a little bit about church already. A little bit. I still need to know more and more. And I have, there are many types of Christians if we want to call it like that, but there are two types of Christians that I see, but this is only in Cuba, okay? Not here in America. I'm sharing about Cuba. Let, let me use an illustration first. I realize when I travel all around America that when you travel from a, uh, a state to another state, you, you guys, Americans, can just pull out and show the driver's license as the ID. Okay? But if you're going to travel overseas... The driver's license does not work. You need to show what? Passport. So let me put it like this. A passport will take you out of the U.S. But the driver's license will move you around the U.S. So if you want to be always in America and not travel anywhere in the world, you just need a driver's license. But if you're going to travel to another country, you will need a passport. I think it's good to have both. You agree with me? Because God can call you anytime. Touch someone near to you and tell, get your passport ready. <laughs> I can bring you to Cuba too. Oh. I just said, don't be afraid. <laughs> this is the thing that I want to illustrate. There are Christians that do not think about listen they're so tied up to this earth that all they think about is driver's license but there are other Christians who are always thinking about going to heaven and all they think is about their passport let me tell you this it's good to have both you can be the type of Christian that will only be related with the earthly matters. You have to know you have a citizenship in heaven. You have to know that God is going to bring you to a better place. You have to know that one day you're going to travel. But you can't be a Christian in this earth just thinking about heaven when you do have business to take care in this earth. So there are two types of Christians. Those who are saying, oh God, poor me, I'm going through hell. I don't want to be here anymore. Take me to heaven now. And God says, no, you still have 20 more years in, in, on planet Earth. Why? Because you need to do some things down there. So a church that is really balanced is the church that knows where we are going, 
but also knows that the kingdom of God is here and now and that we can bring things from heaven to earth. In other words, have your driver's license, but you can also have a passport. A city set on a hill. It's very important to know that city. Now, when Jesus was saying these words, in, in Jesus' time, I'm going to ask you a question. Which was the most important place in a city back in those days? Which was the most important place in a city back in those days? The most important place. People tell me, the palace where the king lived. I say, no, because not everybody had access to the palace. I'm talking about a place where everybody had access to. Poor, rich, sick, healed, everybody could go to that place. The place was called the marketplace. The marketplace was the heartbeat of the city. The mar whatever they saw there would dictate the economy of the city. That's where people would gather to talk. That's where people would sometimes uh, do transactions and will change currencies and will bring something to sell and something to buy. That was the place where everybody would merge, the marketplace. Now, the reason I bring this up is because one time Jesus talked about the marketplace. But he said something really interesting. Follow me now because this is going to be deep. This is going to be deep, I promise you. Jesus talked about the marketplace. And Jesus said these words. I'm not going to read them, but you can find them later, later in the book of Luke, or Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, from verse 31 to 35. I'm going to rephrase what Jesus said. Jesus said, to what shall I compare this generation? He said, I would compare it with the children that come or sit in the marketplace. Where? In the marketplace. And they get to the marketplace. And what they do is this. They gather with some friends and they say, We played the flute and you didn't dance. Oh, we, we, we threw a tantrum and you didn't cry. Or you didn't mourn. So Jesus explains why he's saying that. And he goes, he goes on and says, because John the Baptist came and he was talking about me and you guys said, he's got a demon. And then here I am, the son of man, God's in the midst of you guys. And what are you talking about? Oh, he's a friend of sinners. In other words, Jesus is comparing children in the marketplace doing something that has nothing to do to what's going on in the marketplace. And he's saying, and rebuking these leaders of the people of Israel, saying, you guys are missing the point. You guys are missing God's visitation. You guys don't have a clue what God is doing because you are in the right place doing the wrong thing. Now, this, this, this is going to get better. Because hear me now, when Jesus said the word children, in the Greek is the word paideon. <laughs> and most of scholars agree that the, word, the Greek word paideon is the word that Jewish people would use 
to describe a 20 years old guy who never grew up. Someone in the Jewish culture, once you turn 13, you are supposed to be involved in business already. Now, Jesus said, some people are already 20 and they are still playing the flute and throwing tantrums. That is what makes a city vulnerable. That is what makes a church fail. When the people that are part of the city are playing flute or throwing tantrums when they should be involved in their transactions and shiftings between heaven and earth. My question is this. Are you a citizen of the city set on a hill? Then, when you are part of that city, you no longer have to be playing flute. You know what I'm talking about, right? Or throwing tantrums. You should be involved in the things that God is doing. And that is what makes a city exposed. That is what makes a city capable to be exposed. We had this. I want to finish with this. We had, we had to take a decision one time. It was a really interesting decision. Because our church decided that we needed to go to the hospital. And try to bless those children with cancer. But the church is not allowed to go to the hospitals. I mean, you can go as a family visitor. But if you take two or three people, you cannot do any church stuff inside there. So we went. We were just a group of people, friends, that were going to go with some money and some supplies to give it to those children and their families. But nothing about Christianity. They let us go in. We were inside there giving some of the things. But one mother said, and she asked this question. Are you guys Christians? Oh, okay now. Uh, yes. Oh, okay, we're good. Nobody is listening that we said yes. But then it got worse and better. She said, can you guys pray for my son? What do we say there? Because if we say, no, we can't pray because they're going to kick us out of here. We would feel like we were denying our faith. And the other thing is, well, if we pray, I'm pretty sure the nurses and doctors will kick us out. Because no religion is allowed to be spoken about here in this place. You're not supposed to do that. So we looked at each other and we said, like, if this is the only chance, if this is the only time we're going to get in here, let's take it. We said, we're going to pray. We started praying. You know how we... People who believe in healing pray. We don't do those prayers like, Lord, if you can just heal. Lord, if it is your will. No, we don't know that. We just don't know how to do that. I'm sorry, guys. I just don't know. I said, we rebuilt the devil in the name of Jesus. Cancer, you have to go bring gladness and happiness to the heart of this family. Holy Spirit, fill this place. And, and Man, when we opened our eyes, there were a bunch of doctors and nurses around us. And we were like, Oops. <laughs> Okay. They said, so, I thought you guys were just coming to help them, but 
we didn't know you guys were religious. So, well, they asked us to pray, and we do believe in Jesus, so we prayed. This is what happened, guys. It started right there. This is the moment where the Holy Spirit can do something that you never expected. The chief of the hospital said, from this day on, you guys are welcome to come every week and do the same thing. Yes. As I'm speaking here, we founded a ministry that is called Sonrisas in Spanish. In English, it's Smiles, where we go every week and we bring teams of people to pray for children with cancer. It gets way better. We didn't have a name for it. We didn't know how to call it Smile Sonrisas. And then one day, somebody donated a pair of nice Nike shoes, and we gave it to a, a, one of the kids that was there. We gave him the Nike shoes. He smiled. He was really feeling bad, but he smiled. And he said, I always wanted to have a pair like this in my life. I always wanted to have this. So we were so happy we blessed him. One week later, he died. We were very sad. And the Lord comforted our hearts and told us, at least you were able to see a smile in his face. That's why we called it Smiles. God has been providing for that ministry in a way that I cannot express. There is a, lady, a, a girl, young girl. She's 15 years old. Her name is Wendy. Wendy has cancer. She goes uh, through chemo many times. And when she gets out of chemo, she feels like she's burning in her body. Cuba is so hot that the, the heat just messes her up big time. She needed, the doctor said she needs an air conditioning. In Cuba, having an air conditioning is a luxury it's a huge luxury. We put the word out, and somebody whose name is Cody Burns donated the money to buy her an air conditioning. My wife was there two weeks ago with the guy, the technician, putting the air conditioning for Wendy. God has been pro, and everything started when we believed, but we were the city set on a hill that we could not hide. I want you to stand up with me, please. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I want to leave you with this word, guys. I want to leave you with this word. The church is the greatest entity in planet Earth. If we are truly the church, we cannot hide. Let me say something here. <laughs> it just came to me. I have teens sometimes from America coming to Cuba and they go to different types of churches. So one time one of the guys said, um, my church that I go to in the U.S. is a very small church. I said, well, good for you, man. That's awesome. He goes like, yeah, I don't like to go to big churches. I said, why not? What's wrong about big churches? He said, well, big churches are a good place to hide. I looked at him and said like, Nobody can hide from God. So if you think a big church is a good place to hide, you're fooling yourself. Because from God, if you are truly the church, you can't hide. Because we are a city set, set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Can you give the Lord a hand clap? Give it to Him. Yes, why not? Why not? Let me finish making a declaration upon you, this church from the Holy Ghost. And those of you who want to believe it and embrace it, 
as you listen to it, you're, you're more than welcome to say, yes, Lord. Yes. Only believe ministries is a city set on a hill. I mean, for most of the people, it's a church in the middle of a cornfield. But God sees it as a city set on a hill. It cannot be hidden. Only Believe Ministries is a city that is blessed, protected, and those who are part of the city must have the right mentality and attitude. God sees your heart and He knows where you are. At Only Believe Ministries, there are people that are able to see and hear what other citizens cannot see and hear. God will always provide. He will always bless. And He will always protect His city. And God will always use those who take risks. Those who see a problem against the city and say, we're going to be okay. Those who say, we are building the right walls around this city. And God will use those who love and know the vision and the anointing that is in this house. Blessed are those in this place who know that they are citizens of a city set on a hill. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for this beautiful hour where your Holy Spirit is moving in this place. God, as we lift up our hands in worship, can you lift up your hands? I'm just asking you to just engage and, and, and worship God with me and say, God, I'm so grateful that I am part of a city that will never be shaken, that will never be destroyed. I am part of a city that the king of the city is Jesus Christ. And God, your word says, that those who trust in the Lord are like the Mount of Zion. That it doesn't move, but it remains forever. Jesus, I speak blessings upon my friends at Only Believe Ministries. I speak blessings over Pastor Dozik as he preaches your word in the nation of Brazil. I speak protection, favor, grace upon him as he comes back to America. And God, that tonight miracles and great things will take place in Brazil because of that man of God that knows that he's part of a city set on a hill. God, we release this word so this word can break any lack of identity of who we are. And Father God, we give you the glory. Because Jesus, you were the founder and the foundation of the city set on a hill. Aren't you glad and thankful for being part of a city like this? Come on, if you're glad, give the Lord some praise tonight. 
If you are really glad that you are not just an American, you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, you are an ambassador in this earth. Blessings to your life. May God bless you. May God shine upon you. And as we do his work, we always remember that all the glory and all the honor and all worship belongs to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Would you come, please? Thank you, Pastor. Great message. Great message. Absolutely. Pastor Ed, would you come up? And he's going to take up the offering uh, for uh, Pastor Herrera. And uh, that was just a good message. And it, you know, we all need it. We all need it. Here you go. Thank you. Were you blessed tonight? Amen, amen. Come on. Were you blessed tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. If you need an offering envelope, ushers will assist you with that now. You know, we don't really understand what it's like to be a pastor in the nation of Cuba or any communist country. What he does essentially is walks around with a target on his back wherever he goes and whatever he does because he's under constant scrutiny and any little misstep can take away his privileges. We don't understand what it's like on a daily basis to live in a country where the things that we take for granted are available to us every day within walking distance for most of us. It's just a casual walk. We can walk into almost any grocery store anywhere and buy anything that we want. And it's not like that where he lives and where he ministers and where he takes the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost, downcast, broken people who are oppressed. The seed that we sow tonight can do so much for him, so much more than it can do here for us. I'm, I'm prompted to say that two things the Lord put on my heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? He's sown unto us spiritual things. He's given us an awareness and an understanding of what it's like for him. And yet he stands strong. He is in himself, in his church, a city on a hill. He is a light on a pillar. And 2 Corinthians verse 9 says, excuse me, chapter 9 verse 6 says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. And as I was listening to Pastor Herrera, I was looking around the congregation, I'm saying, so many people that could have been here tonight had, would have had an opportunity to be blessed by God for sowing into that man and his ministry. They would have been blessed, but for whatever reason, they couldn't come. 
or chose not to come or there was something that prevented them from coming. And I was reminded of another scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 111. And I use this a lot of time myself and when I think of things, but it says, the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times so many more as you are and bless you as he hath promised you. I would pray that Pastor Darius and his church would be a thousand times greater than they are and that they would be blessed as God has promised to bless them and that this offering that we receive tonight will be able to accomplish a thousand times greater than that what it would accomplish here that what we put in his hands he'll be able to take to the nation of Cuba and it will bring people to the foot of the cross it will rescue the lost the downcast the brokenhearted the sick and discouraged and it will be from God's hand to your hand to his hand and I pray that you prayerfully consider what you'll do for him tonight and let's make this offering a tribute to the Father in heaven who would raise up such a man that he would not be discouraged and downcast and he will not be separated from the plan and purpose that God has for him and that he would glorify God in all that he does and people will, will come to know Jesus Christ through his labors. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you that you sent this, this blessed man, your servant, into this house tonight to show us, to show us, Father, and to call to our minds and our recollection. There are things that we can do with our own hand that will reap bountifully and bring glory to you make a difference a much greater difference than we can make here Father I pray in Jesus name that you watch over and bless and protect every person here guide them, direct them, lead them home safely and prosper them in whatever they put their hands to we thank you for this seed and this offering again we ask that you multiply as only you can do in Jesus name we pray Amen and amen. Bring your offering before.